on our Facebook page. So, whose authority? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Does that belief in that Jesus rose from the dead have any effect on you? Does it matter to you? Does it matter that the Jesus who, who forgave even those who put him to death says that we're all to do the same kind of massive forgiveness? Does that belief in Christ change your life, or is it something that you believe like an historical fact? Or maybe you and God have an understanding. A guy that I went to high school with, he told me, well, me and God, we've got an understanding, and you'll get around to it pretty soon. You know, just as soon as, as you know, well, as soon as the kids have grown, as soon as the, the house is paid for, as soon as the election's over, or when something else changes. Uh, when I was a kid, I had this kind of, uh, this plan worked out in my head that I'd say, God, forgive me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Right before I died, I thought that that, was, that would be great. I'd have the best of both worlds. Um, it was just a matter of timing. And, and I hadn't thought of this next story until I was preparing the sermon. But, but um, as many of you know, I've been in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, for a little over 32 years. But there was a, a time when I certainly did drink. And drinking and driving was uh, not out of the question. And, and so this was one of those times. And I was driving down a long, winding road in Austin down to a friend of mine's lake house and I hit the brakes it had been raining the, the, it was slick and I hit the brakes and my car stayed straight when the road curved and I went off into what looked like a dark abyss and instead of saying uh, God forgive me I accept Jesus Christ as my savior I, I remember having this, this thought of saying, bye, bye. Well, I, I didn't die. Uh, some, some, some limbs from a tree caught my truck in midair, and the wrecker pulled me out the next day. I, I, got, I climbed out, I took my guitar and my, my bag, and I walked the rest of the way down, and when I went into the, the house where I was going to visit with my friend, he said, I didn't even hear, hear the car pull up. And I said, yeah, about that. <laughs> well, what I'm saying about this is the, the plans that we make to change our lives later don't always work out like we think. So we're going to see what we can learn about from Jesus from, this, from about Jesus from this scripture passage and the ones leading up to it. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. We've been following Jesus as he headed toward Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen there, and we know what's going to happen there, but his followers didn't know. He's teaching along the way, teaching as always about the kingdom of God. Last week's parable was about the laborers in the vineyard. You, you remember that a landowner hired some men to work in his field for the usual daily wage, and away they went. And throughout the day, the landowner kept hiring more workers, even hiring some just before quitting time. And he paid the recent hires the same as the ones who worked all day in the heat, and the first ones came up, when the ones that were first hired, when the time came to be paid, they thought that they'd be paid more. When they weren't, they thought it was unfair. Jesus used this story to show that the kingdom, that in the kingdom the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Well, that clears it up for you, doesn't it? As, uh, as Jesus and his followers continued walking toward Jerusalem, he told them for a third time that he'd be handed over to the religious leaders and they would be, that he would be mocked and he'd be spit upon and flogged and crucified 
and he would rise again on the third day. And of course, they had no idea what he was talking about. Then the mother of James and John, two of the disciples, asked that her sons be able to be on the one on the right side and one on the left when he came into his kingdom. When Mark tells the story, it's James and John themselves, but Matthew softens it a little bit and gives it over to their mother to say this. Well, Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking, but, but, but uh, these spots have already been chosen. Do you know who they were, by the way? They were the men who were crucified alongside our Lord on that terrible day when the world changed forever. Thieves on either side, on his right and his left, on the day that Jesus died and the world changed and that life was made possible for the world. Well, when the other disciples heard about this attempted end run at a prominent place in the kingdom, they were furious, and Jesus used the situation to teach that in the kingdom, the leaders would be the servants, just as Jesus himself served them and now serves us as well, as we are all called to serve others. In Matthew 20, 28, the scripture says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a quote from Jesus. Well, further down the road, leaving Jericho, the crowd became larger, and two blind men were sitting by the road. They heard it was Jesus coming and started shouting at him, shouting all the more as the crowd told them to keep quiet. Jesus went, went to them, and when he asked what they wanted, they said they wanted to see. So you can just imagine this. The crowd's going along, and these guys, these guys are, hear the commotion, and they hear that uh, Jesus is coming, and they start shouting out, and the crowd tells them to be quiet, don't be quiet. And they say, no, come, Jesus, over here. And he goes up to them, and he says, what do you want? And they said, they wanted to see, and Jesus touched them. And they said they could see, and, and Jesus touched them, and they could suddenly see, and he healed them. And they joined that growing crowd going toward Jerusalem. Well, when they approached Jerusalem, you know what happened. We, we talk about it every Palm Sunday. Jesus entered the city on a donkey like the Messiah was prophesied to do in Isaiah 62 and, and Zechariah 9, gentle, mounted on a donkey. And the crowd grew ever larger and went ahead of him, placing clothing and palm branches along the road and singing, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus entered the temple when he arrived in Jerusalem and he threw out the money changers and the vendors. The money changers, by the way, were like, well, have you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? You know, you give somebody uh, $5 and they give you 20 tokens. of che You can only use this money, uh, these tokens, at, at, uh, at a Chuck E. Cheese. It's like that, but it wasn't, it's like that, and it was an unfair change, by the way. Uh, wasn't a dollar for a dollar. Uh, so he threw out the money changers and the vendors, and the vendors were selling the acceptable pigeons to sacrifice, the acceptable sheep and goats. They were turning the temple into a business, a den of thieves rather than a house of prayer, Jesus said. And blind folk and the lame came up to Jesus in the temple and he healed them all and children swarmed him and they sang and the religious leaders tried to restore order but they could not. And Jesus left for the night and he came back the next morning and entered the temple for the last time before he would be arrested. This is where our scripture starts. This is where our scripture starts at Matthew 21, 23 to 32. As Jesus entered the temple, and it was the last time he'd be entering the temple before he was arrested, the religious 
leaders confronted him as he was teaching. They said, who told you you could do this? By, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Remember what he's doing is healing. He's doing he's he's throwing the money changers out of the temple and the vendors out of the temple. What Jesus is doing is teaching with authority and acting with authority. And who told you you could do this? They want to know. And Jesus said, "Well, I'll answer you this, but first I want to ask you a question. And uh, if you answer this question, I'll answer yours. What about John the Baptist? Does baptism come from heaven or from human beings? In other words, was John a prophet? Did he come from God?" And, and the religious leaders talked among themselves, what are we going to say? They knew what they thought, but they didn't know what they'd say. So if the religious leaders answered yes, that he, he was, he was a prophet sent from God, then Jesus could say, well, why didn't you believe him? And the, the uh, religious leaders would join the long line of religious leaders who didn't believe in the prophets who were sent by God, even helping to have them killed. But they said that his authority was only human. They ran the risk of offending the people who believed that John the Baptist was a prophet. So they answered like religious leaders caught in a political system or like anybody who's so caught up in their job, wanting to save their job, that they forget who they are. And they said, we don't know. Then Jesus told another parable, one about two sons. There's lots of parables about two sons, but this is, this is one. The father asked the first son to go to a vineyard that day, and he said he would, but he didn't. And he asked the other son to, to go to the vineyard, and he said he wouldn't, but he decided he would. The one who followed through was the one who did the father's will. They all agreed. And Jesus used this parable to teach that many, many would enter the kingdom of heaven ahead of the religious leaders who talked a good game but didn't follow through. They didn't, they didn't live out a good game that the... the and Jesus said that the tax collectors and prostitutes <clears throat> would enter the kingdom before them because they heard John and they repented and they turned their lives around. And the religious leaders just kept going on doing what they did. They talked a good game, but they didn't live out a good game. So here's some questions for you and for me about this. By whose authority do you do what you do? Do you get your authority from Scripture? Do you get your authority from a combination of scriptural teaching for prayer and discernment with other believers? Do you have a, a, a group of believers, an accountability group, or, or people you're walking through? Are you in a band, um, um, a fellowship band? Do you, do, you, do you get your scriptural, your authority from, from God through scripture, prayer, discernment with others? Or do you get it from talk radio or from television news or from Facebook? or other social media. Brenda and I watched The Social Dilemma, a movie on Netflix yesterday, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. We're changing the way that we're using some of the social media. Where do you get your authority? So that goes into who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? If you do, what difference does it make in your life and in the lives of those around you? Can others see a difference in your life? I like to think that people can see a difference in my life now from the, from the young man who drove off the road so long ago. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, come to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Don't wait until the last minute. No matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus, you can always go more. Don't wait until the last minute and don't fool yourself into thinking that you're something you're not. Come to Jesus. It's transformed lives 
that will grow the church. It's transformed lives that will change the world. It's transformed lives that we are called to offer and to be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.